right. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you in church this morning. Uh, these days, I find myself up in the computer booth a lot, so it's nice to be with you in this way this morning. Um, my name is Christian. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the youth pastor here at Westwinds, and I get the privilege of sharing with you this morning. Uh, the title of my message uh, this morning is called For Everyone. For everyone. And Pastor Carolee, our kids' pastor, shared last week for our uh, kids' emphasis service. And she started off by kind of giving the caveat that it might look a little bit different than a normal kids' emphasis service. And I'm going to keep that trend going. This is going to look a little bit different than a normal youth emphasis service because the reality is, is that this church believes in, supports, and loves the next generation of our church. They love our youth. Uh, I don't feel like I need to remind you of why youth are important or why it's important to support them or to love on them because you guys do that all the time. And so I don't feel like I need to remind you of that. And we have tons of amazing youth leaders and people who support and and help and invest in in our youth. And so I don't feel like I need to remind you of that this morning. And our last Newfound Farms fundraiser was the biggest one we ever had, so I don't need to remind you again of, hey, it's important to support, Um, but I'm excited to see if this current Newfound fundraiser coming up will top that. And I'm pretty excited because it's basically all online this year, which is pretty cool. You can basically do like online shopping for Newfound Farms, which makes it honestly super easy for me because I don't have to like collect all the forms and money and total it all up and know, okay, how many pieces are here and because it can get confusing, to be honest. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but this morning I want to look at a story found uh, in the Old Testament that we don't look at a lot. And it's, it details it in Second Chronicles and also in Second Kings, and it's the story of Josiah. And the reason I want to look at uh, the story of Josiah, because it's a great reminder that no matter what upbringing that we had, no matter what parents we have or had, that a relationship with Jesus is available to you, and it is for everyone, and it can change your future. Over the course of my many years of doing youth work, I've worked with a lot of students, uh, and some of those students have experienced a lot of pain and hurt in their past, and I have seen Jesus come in and change their future and their life, and that's always an amazing thing to see. So this morning, I want to remind us all that no matter what your age, your background, your upbringing, who your parents were or are, that God is in the business of shaping and changing futures, and he has a plan for every life, regardless of the situation you are born into, and that his message and his love and his grace is truly for everyone. So, the story of Josiah detailed in 2 Chronicles, uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Eight years old. That's like maybe a scary thought for some of you. If you have an eight-year-old, you'd be like, I do not want them to be king of anything (laughs) right now. But Josiah is eight years old when he becomes king, and it's detailed in Second Chronicles, and it says that he reigned for 31 years, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or left. But that is not the full picture. If you just read that one verse, you'd think, oh, okay, cool, David was his father, and he was a good king, reigned for 31 years, awesome. But in Second Kings, it actually states that although he's from the line of David, that a guy named Ammon was actually his father, 
And this is what his father was like in 2 Kings. It says, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh, his father, had done. He walked in all the ways which his father walked and served the idols that his father served and worshiped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. So although it says that, like, hey, David was his father and he did all these great things, actually his father was Ammon and David was his, like, distant you know, relative. And so Ammon and his grandfather Manasseh did all these evil things. And actually, the reason why Josiah becomes king at eight years old is because his father was assassinated because of the kind of person that he was. And so that's why he takes over at such a young age. And then here's my favorite part of the story. So this is in 2 Chronicles 34, verses uh, 3 to 7. It says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and metal images. They chopped down the altars of the Baals, and in presence cut down the incense altars that stood above them. He broke in pieces the ashram and carved and metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered them over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem and the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon and as far as the Naphtali in their ruins. All around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powdered and, and cut them down the incense altars throughout the land of Israel, and then he returned to Jerusalem. So the reason why I love this part is because says in his eighth year of his reign. So he's 16. So he's 16 years old. He's like a teenager. And he decides, you know what? Like, enough is enough. Like, we're not going to be worshiping these idols anymore. And he goes on like a rampage and gets rid of all of the stuff that people have been worshiping that isn't good for years. Goes on a rampage, says, no, enough is enough. This is all done. And he like tears them down, burns things, and just goes for it. Um, and then it says... Um, which I, which I love because even in those years, it says that he began to seek the, the God of David. He began to seek the God of David. So even when in those times when you're a teenager, you're like searching for something, which I think is really cool. Then when he's 20, he goes on a mission and he destroys all these, these things. So when he's 20 years old, he goes on this mission and finishes destroying all these things and all the idols in Judah and Jerusalem. And I love this because this is like a classic young person move. Okay, which I love, just diving in head first. It's like, you know what? I'm in charge, this is what I'm doing. And I'm sure that there are some advisors telling him, like, hey, Josiah, like, maybe like, chill out a bit. Like, people don't like all this new stuff. <laughs> you know, like, people don't like change. So maybe go slow or maybe give them the option. Maybe don't destroy them. Maybe just like, put them in the closet somewhere and hide them. And he's like, no, we're getting, we're getting rid of them. Just going for it. And I'm sure that the, some of his advisors probably thought, you know what, guys, he's just young and inexperienced. He just doesn't know. He just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but when we look back on Scripture now, Josiah is remembered as one of the greatest kings. And so I love that. He's just like, just going for it. Then when just Josiah is 26 years old, if you would read further, he, can, he decides he wants to rebuild the temple. He says, I'm going to rebuild this temple, the temple of my father's, the temple that we built for God. We want to rebuild this temple. And so he starts out rebuilding it. And in the process of rebuilding it, uh, they find the, the Torah or the book of the law, or what we would know as the first five books of the Bible. So they find this, and, and, Joseph, and it's brought to me. He's like, oh, wow, like this, we thought this was lost. So they find this Torah, this book of the law, the first five books of the Bible, and who knows if that would have been found without him. 
So Josiah reads it, and it says that he tears his robes, and he's like weeping because he's reading it, and he's recognizing how far they had turned from God. They're recognizing how far we had actually come away from what we were supposed to be doing when he's reading this book of the law. So then Josiah continues to follow the ways of God, and the chapter ends with this. So chapter 34 ends with this. Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel, and he made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All of his days, they did not turn away from the following of the Lord, the God of their fathers. So I love this story. It's, it's not uh, highlighted a lot when we, when we, you know, maybe in sermons or things like that, but I love this story because... Um, It's a young person who recognizes that this is the way I want to live and this is the way that we should be going, and he just goes for it. Young person just going for it. And so I want to look at a couple lessons that we can take away from this. And the first one is this. God uses unlikely people. God uses unlikely people. Josiah had only seen his father and his grandfather serve idols and be wicked. That's all all he had known. But that didn't stop Josiah from thinking, you know what, this isn't, this isn't what I want. And it didn't stop him from seeking after God, which wouldn't have been easy in that time. Because it's not like it is now where if you are interested in attending church or you can just hop online and you know, read some stuff or whatever, he, it would have been so different in that time. Especially considering, like imagine you're a teenager who is like a king of a nation. Like you'd have probably everything that you'd think you'd ever want. So it would be very easy to let that go to your head and just keep following in the ways that you've seen your father and grandfather do. But that's not what Josiah did. He saw that and he recognized that's not how I want to live. And so he changed. So God doesn't just use people that we would expect or think would be good for the task. He uses people who are willing, regardless of our past or what our upbringing might look like. Because it would be easy for people, if we were reading about Ammon and Manasseh, it'd be easy to think, man, you know what? I think it's time for some new blood in leadership, right? That's what we would think nowadays, too. Like, you know what? This, this has been rough for a bunch of years now, and I don't think Josiah's going to do any better. He's eight years old. What does he know? Like, he can't be king. Like, how is this going to work? It would be easy to think that way. And it'd be easy to think, hey, like, his Yeah, his father, his grandfather, they were wicked people. They were wicked men. How is he going to be any different? But sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree in some areas, which can be surprising to us, but it does happen. So for me, if you would know me, you'd know that I'm a big uh, sports guy. I love playing sports, watching sports. I would say I'm, like, decent at sports. Like, I wouldn't be, like, obviously some amazing high-level athlete, but I like playing sports, and I'm, I'd be pretty good at them, I would say, on a scale of averageness, I guess. Um, but what's interesting is my, my dad doesn't play, like, a lick of sports, never played sports, didn't care about sports. Um, my mom never played sports, never cared about sports, so I, I never really thought about it, but I, now I look back and I think, I don't know how I got so into sports, because none of my family really cared about it whatsoever. Um, and it was funny, too, because my best friend that I still know to this day, his name's Phil, he was in the exact same boat. So he is really into sports as well, but his dad and mom didn't really care about sports at all, weren't really into it, and so it kind of was this interesting dynamic of we both had parents that didn't care about sports, but we both loved sports. And so we ended up both going to Bible college together, 
and there was some sports that was played at, during college. There was like a ball hockey league that we played in and stuff like that, and we were both like big guys. Phil's about my size, and so people just assume, okay, they must be able to play. They're big guys. Like, we'll, we'll pick them. And we were pretty good, so I guess it worked out. Um, but it was interesting because our, our parents never did that. I'll never forget my, my first year of school, and I come back from Christmas break, and Christmas break is a time when you go home for three weeks, and I'm from Ontario, and I went to school in Abbotsford, so I got to fl fly home, and, um, and then when I came back, I had another friend named Ben, and he was talking to me, and, and I guess when he was home, his dad was asking him, hey, Ben, like, so who's new at school this year? Like, is there anyone that I would know their parents to? Because like, church circles can be pretty small. And so he's asking, hey, is there anyone like, that I would know their parents, that I would know their mom or dad? He says, oh, well, like, maybe you'd know um, Christian and Phil's parents because they're pastors. So maybe, maybe you'd know them. So um, like Christian Brower and then Phil Juthman, maybe you'd know their, their parents. And they said, he said, yeah, I know, I know them. I know Rob and Ralph. So Rob's my dad, Ralph's Phil's dad. I know them for sure. He's like, what are they like? And so Ben says, I'll never forget, he says, oh, they're like the two biggest jocks at school. <laughs> and uh, his, my, my friend Ben says, my dad's reaction was, Rob and Ralph's sons are the two biggest jocks at school? He's like, yeah. He's like, What? Like, how did that happen? And I think he ended up messaging my dad and being like, so what's going on here? Like, you were not, and my dad joked that, oh, it skips generations, so it's okay, it's okay. Um, but it was interesting because it was like, in that scenario, like, completely different than what might be expected of, you know, who my dad was and who my friend Phil's dad was. And so, yeah, we were these, these two, I guess, jocks that were known at school, even though it was unlikely based on who our parents were. And we were picked for the sports because we're big guys. But I'll never forget, um, in those days, we'd, we'd pick teams for our ball hockey league. Uh, when, when you were a kid, right, you'd line up and say, okay, captains, and you go, I pick him, I pick him, I pick him. And usually it's like, okay, this person's big, like, yeah, I want them, and that's what happened with us. But I remember um, my second year, when I was actually one of the ones picking the teams, because when you're a freshman, you do this thing where you, you play a freshman game, where it's kind of funny because everyone just watches you play, and they're just judging you based on how good you are, and they're like writing notes down, like, okay, yeah, no, we can't do that, and stuff like that. I never thought about it until I actually was the one doing it, and I'm like writing notes like, this person's not very good. And I'm like, that's not very nice, but you know, it's the way it goes, I guess. And so there's this one guy, his name was Matt, and he was like a really kind of short, small guy, but I was like, you know, this guy looks pretty good. Like, he can run really fast, he works hard. Like, I want to draft him on our team. And when it came time to pick players, no one else had picked him because he was, like, so small. And so I picked him, and he was great, and our team did really well, and he did, and everyone was like, I had no idea this guy was going to be good. Like, he's so tiny. And uh, just an unlikely scenario, I guess. And what's funny is the next years, I tried to get him on my team, but I couldn't because everyone now knew that he was good, right? And so it's this unlikely scenario where you're picking things, because how would you know, right? How would you know it's unlikely based on what they look like, who their parents were, things like that? And that was Josiah, right? It's unlikely based on who his parents were that he would be used by God. It's unlikely based on who his father was that he would be this great king that would honor God and never turn away. So unlikely based on who his parents were. But Josiah wasn't the only unlikely person that was in this story. There was also a woman named Huldah. And so when Josiah found the Torah, as I was saying, when they found this book of the law that they thought had been lost, like, well, 
we got to make sure that we know what we're doing with this, that we're reading this the right way. And so he brought it to someone who would know lots about it, and he brought it to a prophetess named Huldah, who was a woman. And she was a prophet who was responsible to speak the word of God directly to the high priests, which I think is super cool, and it doesn't really get like, talked about, or you could easily just read past it and not see that. But it was a woman who was a prophet who would report to the high priest, which was pretty rare in that time that you'd have a woman to be in that high regard which is another example of why I don't understand why people would say, hey, women can't be in leaders or, or pastors because it's been happening for a while. But here's Huldah, and she ends up being the one that Josiah turns to and gives advice to, and the one that this, this great king turns to for advice and turns to for wisdom is this prophet named Huldah. It's another person unlikely to be used by God. So I would encourage you, if you to read through this, this story on your own time this week and really look into it because it's a pretty interesting story. That's the first lesson. God uses unlikely people. The second one is this. Each generation adjusts from the previous one. Each generation adjusts from the previous one. Josiah's father and grandfather were wicked. Josiah saw that and saw the outcome of that, and he didn't want that for himself. He wanted something more. And what's interesting is, because they're from the line of David, that Ammon and Manasseh's fathers would have been probably ones that were seeking after God more. And so I'm sure that played a part in their lives too because they're adjusting from what they had possibly seen in the past. And this is an idea that is still true today. Each generation adjusts from the previous one. I want you to think about something that you do or don't do because of how you were raised. I'll give you an example. So in our house, my wife and I, Elise and I's house, we don't have a lot of stuff on our walls. Not a lot of, not a lot of like, paintings or decorative stuff. Not a lot of stuff on our walls. And the reason for that is because when I grew up, there was stuff everywhere on the walls. And it drove me nuts. I was like, there's too much stuff on the walls. When I get a house, it's going to be nothing on the walls. It's going to be just plain. It's going to be so like, nice. And so that's the way it is. And so even at least sometimes we'll say, I thought about buying something, but I know you hate stuff on the walls. So like, I'm just, you know, we'll just leave it blank. Right? Or another thing, I only will buy Kraft peanut butter. That's it. I'll only buy Kraft peanut butter because when I was a kid, my mom was trying to be really healthy, so she would buy the natural stuff, have the oil on top, you had to like spin around, and I'd be like, ugh, like, mom, like, what is this? Please, please buy something better. And she wouldn't do it. She'd know this is good stuff. And I would like go to my friends' houses and be like, oh man, this peanut butter is so good. And I'd just be like going for it. And I'm like, I am not buying this stuff when I'm an older. And so to this day, I will only buy craft peanut butter. That's what my friends had when I was a kid. That's what I wish that I had. That's what I'm going to have in my house, craft peanut butter. I'm not sponsored by craft. I just love the peanut butter. <laughs> or what about the idea, or maybe you're thinking of in your own mind right now, yes, I have things that I do because of this. Maybe it's things that you do or things that you will never do because of this, because of how you were raised or what your parents did or things like that. What about the idea of participation ribbons, Right? The reason that they came in the first place was because people thought, you know what, when I was a kid, it was so focused on winning, and if you didn't, get, if you didn't, get a, if you didn't win, it was like you didn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you worked, all that kind of stuff. So we want to make everyone feel good. We're going to give everyone a participation ribbon. And that was great. People loved it. But then it's like now people are like, when I was a kid, I didn't get no participation ribbons. Like, you got to win if you want a ribbon. Like, you don't get a ribbon for trying, you get a ribbon for winning, Right? And it's all based on how you grew up and what you, what you experienced as a kid. So each generation adjusts from the previous one, which is why, in terms of our faith, it is very important that we base our faith on who God is 
and not on the traditions of our families. It's super important that we base our faith on who God is and not the traditions of our families. Because if our family, our faith is based on Jesus, then we can have different ideas or different thoughts or different, you know, um, even disagreements on certain aspects of it, and we'll still be okay because our faith is based around Jesus. But if our faith is based on certain traditions or certain things that we really like or that we really want, then it's going to be really hard to find common ground if people disagree with those things. Because that's, like, that's the basis of, your, of what you're believing, right? And so here's Josiah, and he realized that the ways of his fathers was not the way that he wanted to live. And so he adjusted, he made his own path, because it didn't matter, and this is important for us to remember today, especially if your family, if you look back and it was like, hey, it wasn't the best. It didn't matter what his family did in the past. It didn't matter what his upbringing was like. God wanted a relationship with him. And we need to remember that, that the message is the most important thing, that what God desires for us and with us is a relationship, and that is the most important thing. And sometimes we can get so focused on things that we like or things that we feel so strongly about. And it could be anything, especially in, in, in anything, right? Even if maybe you have that one person at work that says, like, you have to, you know, give the form this way, or it has to be this way it's set up for this sort of thing. And it's the same in churches, right? Like, this is how the chairs have to be. This is how the lights have to be. This is how the bulletin has to be. Or the big one that we can all sometimes get disagreements about is this is the, the songs or this is the way that we have to do it. And we get so focused on those things. And I'm sure that when Josiah took over and made all these changes, there was people who did not like it because no one really likes change. No one does. Sometimes it can cre- and it creates tension, right? And so I'm sure when Josiah is making all these adjustments, there's people who are, you know, pe- uh, working for his father who are like, what are you doing? This is not the way I, I want this to be. And sometimes we can create this, like, battle between things that we want and the th- things that other people want, and it becomes this source of tension with each one liking different things. But if we're being honest when it comes to, like, the church, the biggest one we probably had disagreements about, maybe you've heard about it, never in this church, of course, we never disagree about anything. Um, but in churches in general, maybe it'd be the music, right? One thing, because each person likes what they grew up with, likes their style, all that sort of stuff. I remember when I was a kid growing up in church, we, had, we didn't have the projector that we had now, or obviously not, but we didn't have like, any projectors. We had the overhead projectors. If you're too young to know what those are, it's basically this like... Um, like this machine that has a light that shoots it, and you'd have a transparent piece of paper that you'd put on, and you'd like adjust it, and you'd go, and you'd have to put it on the right side, or it could be like reversed, and you couldn't read it. You have to be really on it because you just would go, and then you'd make it straight, and you'd make it straight. And uh, I would do that when I was like, when I was younger, and I was like so like on it. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. you know, and put it on there. And I remember when uh, we were talking about getting a projector, people were like, no. The overhead, though, the overhead is where, like, that's the way it's always been. It's the overhead. Like, well, that's not the way it's always been. I'm sure they didn't have overheads 100 years ago or whatever. But it creates this source of tension, right? But in terms of music, the best thing that I ever heard, or in terms of worship songs, the best response I ever heard was I was at a conference one time, and a speaker said this. He said that each generation sings the songs that they need. Each generation sings the songs that they need. So in the past, songs like God is a strong tower, a mighty fortress, that was written because in that time, that's what they needed. 
They need to be reminded of those things. Now there's songs like, he's a good, good father. Maybe because the younger generation needs to be reminded of the imagery of God as a good father. Even this morning, we sang the song, Rain Above It All, which is a new song. And it makes sense why it was written right now, because the last two years have been crazy, right? And so this idea that God is in control, he's reigning above everything, makes sense. And so each generation sings the songs that they need. So the question that I want to ask ourselves this morning is, in the response to this, how each generation adjusts from the previous one, the question I want to ask is, what are we doing right now that the next generation will adjust to? And this is kind of how the youth emphasis plays in here. What are we doing right now that the next generation will adjust to? And adjustments are going to happen, that's natural, like no matter what, like with, you know, like no matter what you grew up with, there's going to be some things that you're like, I like this, I don't like this, that's just the way it is. But are there things that we're doing now that are potentially causing harm that are going to cause people to overcorrect that could potentially cause harm the other way? Because one thing that I've seen is that things swing on a pendulum. So it's over here, and it comes through, and it goes over here, and both sides are not ideal, they're not great. What you want to do is keep it like in the middle, but once it's swinging, it's really hard to stop. So is there a way that we can meet in the middle? What are we doing that the next generation is going to adjust to, and is there a way that we can meet in the middle? So I'll give you an example from my, from my generation. I grew up in Ontario. Ontario church culture is different, because everywhere has its different own culture, right? And so Ontario church culture was like, you dress nice. That was a big shock for me when I came out to church in, in BC. It was like my first Sunday at a church, I'm like, all dressed up, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, everyone like, looks like they're just, you know, I'm just coming, having a good time, and I'm like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know why I dress up like this. But Ontario church culture was different. Another thing was, like, you're always in church. It's like, no, there's no excuse good enough when I grew up to miss church. Like, oh, like, you have, you know, your championship sports game? Miss it. It's church. <laughs> oh, you have this, you're going on a vacation? Well, you better go from Monday to Saturday. You better not be missing church on Sunday. That's maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but that's the way it was, right? You do not miss church. And I have friends now that don't go to church at all, and that don't follow Jesus at all, because it was so focused on being at church and not about following Jesus. And now it's, the, it's swinging to the opposite way, where it's like, you know what? I don't need church. I don't need church. I can follow Jesus on my own. I don't need to be in church. It's not important. Like, it's not like I need to be here in order to be a Christian. Or need, I, don't, I don't need to do that. Where in actuality, we need to meet in the middle. Where it's, faith is not just about being at church, but being at church is important. It's not like if you miss one, you're the worst person, but you can't just say, I don't need to ever go, because it is important to be in church. So Josiah is an example of how God can use unlikely people and how our past experiences, our past uh, experiences with our family or with whatever we grew up with can shape the decisions that we make in the future. But it doesn't matter what our upbringing is or what it was, if it was, if it was good, if it was bad, if it was painful, if it was just amazing. We can experience the love of Jesus and be used by him because this message is for everyone. Again, Josiah is this young king, this teenage king who could do whatever he wanted, super unlikely to decide, you know what, I'm going to start living this way. All he'd seen is his father's 
be wicked and do all these evil things, and he decides, you know what, this is, this is not the way I want to live. There's a, this has to be a better way. And he goes down as one of the great kings of Israel. I have seen youth from tough situations in my time, from tough situations that come in, and what really kind of bugs me sometimes is that sometimes there's not a lot of grace for those kids. It's like, hey, oh, come on, these kids, they're you know, being loud or they're being this or being that. And like, you know what, they have, like, there needs to be some grace. Maybe they haven't seen, they haven't been, they haven't been shown for most part of their life, maybe the, the proper way to behave in public or the proper way to do certain things. And there's not a lot of grace for them. But I have seen those kids have their lives changed by Jesus, have their whole future shaped and changed by Jesus. And so for all of us here this morning, no matter what your experiences have been or are, or what your family looks like or looks like now or in the past or whatever, God wants to use you and shape your future. Josiah is an example for us that even if it's not likely based on who your parents were or it's not likely based on your situation, God can use you and wants to use you if we're ready and willing. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can be here and gather like this. Thank you that we can spend this time together. God, I pray that we'd be reminded that there's times where we feel like, you know what, we're just not the right person to be used by you, or hey, we can't make a difference, that, oh, well, there's someone else who might be a better fit, that, God, you are in the business of using people that maybe others might not think would be a good fit. God, I pray that we would be reminded and that you would show us areas in our life that we can, that maybe we're so focused on this certain thing that we're missing the heart behind it. And that we would be able to maybe meet in the middle in some areas because we don't want to adjust the, the next generation to something that maybe isn't helpful. God, I pray that for each one of us as we go this week, that you would give us opportunities to show your love to others, that you would give us opportunities to be obedient and to follow you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for our church, for every person who's a part of it here and online. We love you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hope you guys have a great week. Keep an eye out for your emails or online for our Newfeld Farms fundraiser. It's a great way to support our youth, and we're excited to see you next week.